Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Ultimate Veg by Jamie Oliver. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) How are you? Do you know that Arby's makes a Reuben? I do now. Yeah. They didn't make it. it I don't know. They didn't make it when I worked there. I love a good Reuben. You do love a good Reuben. I don't know if Arby's is the uh, source for the good Reuben, but... Probably not. Listeners, help me out. Test it and let me know test it so he doesn't have to. (laughs) Hey, welcome to episode 67 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, If you go to our website, which is www.wecookbooks.com, you'll see the store tab. That will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. We've got a few lists there, kitchen essentials for home cooks, cookbooks, and fun food finds. I need to add some stuff to that. Yes, you do. It's been a while. But uh, if you take a look at that, uh, you can make a purchase. It won't cost you anything more to order through that link. And we'll get a little something in return. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Ooh, everyone's been waiting. I can tell. I'm sure. Wallet update. You may recall from a few episodes ago that we visited the food and wine experience. This is a banana story, you guys. Target Field here in Minneapolis. And... um, we, we drank a little bit of wine, drank a little bit of Minnesota wine. Oh, it's so spirits. bad. <laughs> and um, in the process, the, the, we should mention the, the weather was really inclement too. So I've, I've got a lot of excuses why this happened. But anyway, the long and short of it is I lost my wallet. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, it was just like a couple credit cards and an ID because I'm not one of those guys that carries like... The Costanza wallet? Yeah, like I, I don't carry like every like worldly possession in my wallet at all times so it just had a couple things that i had to cancel and replace and so it could have been worse but i did have 80 dollars in there yes. 83 dollars to be to be exact because you know I'm, I'm a baller like that <laughs> and uh it was also raining and then turned into snow. And so I just kind of wrote it off. Like I probably dropped it outside when we were leaving because that's kind of when I noticed it was missing. And uh, unless uh, unless someone pickpocketed me, do people still do that? I'm still, yeah, of course okay. they do. Yeah. I, I thought maybe that was like a 70s New York Times Square thing. But don't you keep your wallet in your front Yeah, pocket? I probably would have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I would notice if someone's digging their hands down in the front of my pants. Um, at any rate, so the the wallet's lost. I immediately cancel the cards. All is good. Then just randomly, about two weeks later, I get a call from my mom, of all people. And she says, you know, hey, I just got a call from... 
the Coon Rapids Police Department and an officer there. And, and uh, did you lose your wallet? And yeah, we were in the grocery store parking lot and you're yeah. like, I've got it right here. Yeah. So keep in mind, uh, Coon Rapids is a northern suburb of Minneapolis, probably a good 25, 30 mm-hmm. miles away. It's, it's, it's a bit of a drive. It's, it's out by where I grew up, my old stomping grounds. Um, and uh, he was given the wallet from an older woman that was going out to check her mail. So she says, <laughs> and uh, she found this wallet like stashed somewhere near her mailbox by her house. You the, know, oh, the details are still a little fuzzy. So I've been having sh- shower thoughts about this. It's so weird that they called like I'm your next of kin since I'm your wife, but they called your mom. So if something happened to you, they would probably call your mom first. Possibly. Like if you got murdered, oh, yeah. they would call your mom. <laughs> <laughs> what are you implying? You got big plans? <laughs> you can hide a body there. Yep. Uh, yeah. So th- th- to back up a second, the reason they contacted my mother was because he explained to me after we kind of figured out that this was legit and it wasn't like some Nigerian prince trying to get me to, you know, give some information away so they could transfer a million dollars into my bank account huh. or something. Uh huh. That they have a like a database or a system in place so that in the case of you know they find a wild wallet, which I would imagine, unfortunately, sadly, is probably when someone passes away or they're trying to identify someone, and so they were able to locate my mother through that system, and that's why they contacted her first, and uh, and then she contacted me. She was a little reluctant. Thank thankfully to yeah. like you know put them directly in touch or give my contact information and and then she gave me the number and then I kind of like hesitantly called and was like I don't know and then you know the guy was very nice he put me at ease and I went and picked it up. Oh yeah, they couldn't mail it because it had actual yeah. cash oh, in yeah, it. Oh yeah, that's the kicker of it. It, it, had the, <laughs> it still had the $83 in it. Like I was expecting like, oh, we found your wallet and I'd be like, ah, whatever, just get rid of it because I've already replaced the cards and the ID and, and you know, that's all that's in I think there was a guitar pick in there. Oh, well, really, really, like you don't have 10,000 really sentimental of those. guitar pick. No, that was my lucky guitar pick. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you. You're I, a liar. Don't you don't have a lucky guitar pick. But uh, anyway, so I went and picked it up, still had the cash in there. That's, Unbelievable. That's kind of amazing. How this wallet ended up about 30 miles or so away from where I lost it, still with the cash in it. It's it's amazing. Oh, I have a good story to tell too. Please. Okay. So some of you may or may not know, I am a huge fan of all the Real Housewives series. Um, I like to call it Real Housewives of Bullshit. I will watch all of the locations. What's your favorite? Uh, I think New York. Okay. I think New York. How many are there? There's um, Potomac, New York, OC, Beverly Hills, Atlanta. This is quite the franchise. They just started one in Lagos, I think. Whoa. Um, There was a Dallas one, but they canceled it because everyone was like racist garbage on there. Yikes. Um, And I've actually never watched the Dallas one. There's a Miami one that they just rebooted. Okay. Um, And I'm I'm not asking for like, you know, 
episode fodder. Like I genuinely don't know because this is something that Victoria. This is like Victoria's guilty pleasure, and I she, will not watch it in front of him because not. because he will be like, "Why are those old drunken buffoons screeching and yelling?" Yeah, probably. I, I mean, seriously, this all is they, what you watch at the gym. All they do, no, no. Oh, well, no. They used to have Bravo on the TVs, and oh. then one day all the TVs went out. And they don't have Bravo up there. And I've asked, but I, you know, I was like, "Can you please get Bravo on the TVs?" And they're like, "It's it's from a it's like a corporate thing. Like they program the TVs." Um, but yet they'll have the that. Reels network, reels with a Z. Literally, and there's one, all these crime shows with like women getting murdered and tortured, which is not something I really want to see the, in in the morning. Right, well, literally one day at nine matter, o'clock at the, in the morning, there yeah. was like this uh, scene of some dude going back to fuck a dead body. Yikes! Yeah, no, that's not how not I want to start. Uh, I mean, I love true crime and stuff, yeah. but I don't want to see it like at nine in the morning. Yeah, and at the gym. speaking of the gym. So there is this podcast called Watch What Crappens, and it's freaking hilarious. It's hilarious. It's hosted by Ronnie Caraman, Ben Mandelker. What's the premise? Um, they just talk about they, like, they recap, recap the, the shows, shows and okay. they do hilarious voices. They do voices for all of all of the women. I started listening to it, and then I recently decided to go to the beginning. I started like listening it, to it from the beginning. Which is how many how many episodes, or like when oh, did it start? Oh my god. Like um, a lot. I'm in like 2014 right now oh, on episode like one. So they were pretty early on yes. in the game. Yes. The podcast game. Okay. I'm like on 176 or something like that. Okay. But anyway, I was checking notifications on Instagram and Ben Mandelker started following us. Wow. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, you were you were like all excited. I thought we won something right <laughs> now. Just this person i don't know started following us and then but, I, but you're excited so that I, makes i'm me super happy. excited and then i like looked at my phone and he tweeted he tweeted at us I, we never like we never tweet i go on twitter and i read it but i don't yeah. ever tweet anything and he he like he tweeted at us that he liked our site yeah. and i was just like oh my god it's I'm, little things i was like oh my god i'm fangirling so hard and like because of you guys i'm the, i'm the weirdo idiot that bursts out laughing at the gym because i've, I've witnessed that that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <to> my wife <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, for me, it's very, very exciting. That is exciting. Yes. Better than my dumb Arby's Rubin story. Was it a story, though? <laughs> Not really. It, it was more, more of a question. It, it was. <laughs> All right. How do we top that? Good night, everyone. <laughs> Bye. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about what we're currently working on? Yes. Um, we are currently working on Salad Freak by Jess Demook. Uh, it comes out, so by the time this podcast gets published, it will be out. Yes. Um, it was sent to us from Abrams, um, and it comes out on March 29th, and so far we are really enjoying it. Solid cookbook. Yeah. What's not to love? Yep. Uh, what are we doing next? Uh, we have to decide, huh? Yeah, we don't know yet. I mean, we've got Half-Baked Harvest Every Day on deck. We've got a, a new Forest Feast one there's called Road a, Trip. There's a Red Boat Fish Sauce cookbook. That one's kind of exciting. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll decide and, uh-huh. and let you know on the next episode. We've got a few things to complete from Salad Freak. So, Oh, and that leads us into what's for dinner tonight. We're doing crunchy beans from Salad Freak. And then we're doing a 
that that title is kind of underwhelming because there's actually more to it than just crunchy beans. I, I, I saw the title and was like, really? Here's your I'm, here's your plate of crunchy like beans. There's like some uh, some fried chickpeas uh-huh. in there, and there's like some, some onion, yeah, some thinly sliced radish. Uh-huh. Um, so it's gonna be good. And then also we as a we are doing um, right now we've got them in the sous vide. We're doing some pork chops. It's got. That, oh my gosh, my English that has, um, I almost said that's gots. Um, <laughs> them gots. Uh, that has some apple in the bag and we brushed a little bit of, I don't know, you did it. What did you brush on there? Oh, I, I did a uh, little Dijon. Uh-huh. I took some yellow and black mustard seeds and uh-huh. mixed those in within. And then and then I just uh, brushed that on the pork chops, sprinkled with a little salt and pepper Got the got the apples in the bag, some yep. diced up apples. So I I think uh, all the flavors will will sit there and hang out for an hour or so. And then you made a sauce to go with it. Yeah, which is uh, real simple, mostly bourbon. If I'm being honest, uh, bourbon, <laughs> Dijon mustard, maple you killed, syrup. You killed the bourbon too. Tiny, tiny bit of fish sauce, salt, pepper. Um, I think that might be it. Simple mm-hmm. sauce. Just like did it on the stovetop, let it thicken up a bit. We'll we'll reheat that butter. There's some butter in there too. Uh huh. Um, oh, let's share what we're drinking. Oh yeah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a good old espresso martini. Man, I just love them. So I I tried to make a drink for Victoria. <laughs> um, <laughs> from the uh, it was a book that we just finished featuring on our feed, but it's the essential cocktail book. There's been a few other recipes that I've been interested in trying that weren't featured in the feed, and one of which was this drink called the Archangel. Arc, Archangel. Archangel. <laughs> Talk about speaking English. Um, and it's, it's gin-based, and then it has a little bit of Campari. Uh, you muddle some cucumber in the shaker before stirring it with ice. I ended up putting, I, I tasted it as the recipe, indica- you know, instructed. Wasn't crazy about it, a little, little too strong for my taste. So I uh, put in a little bit of uh, orange bitters. No, lemon lemon bitters. It's garnished with a lemon peel. Mm-hmm. And then I topped it off with a little bit of seltzer. But uh, still, it wasn't enough to salvage the drink. You weren't a fan. I was like, ooh. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really a I don't love the gin. I I, I, get, I get you. you know. the gin that we have is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's it's very citrusy. It's from uh, uh, Minnesota distiller Loon Liquors. Yes, maybe I should. Maybe you should have just made me a good old gin and tonic. I was trying to branch out. I was trying to expand <laughs> our horizons. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. Picked up some tequila, and we decided we're not fans. <sighs> That'll just go in the home bar for when we have company over. And yeah. They want to get pissed drunk on tequila. I've just never, I don't know, tequila. I, it, it's got a very distinct flavor profile. Yeah. Even if you get the good stuff. Yeah. Ugh. And you either like it or you hate it. I mean, I do like a margarita. Yeah. I do like a margarita. I mean, I lost but, my wallet once. I don't need you losing <laughs> it again. And that's, that's what's going to happen if I start drinking tequila I feel all like the nothing, time. nothing good can come at the end of the night when you start drinking tequila. Generally not. <laughs> all right. Should we move into our show question? Yes. This was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hosting a dinner party. Who's invited? I kept it nice and simple. I didn't, yep. even, didn't even specify like living, dead. I was just like, it's your dinner party. Your rules. 
People can go in any direction they want. And we got some good submissions. Uh, you want to start? Uh, yeah. Uh, Joseph P. said uh, the Obamas, Tom Waits, Kathleen Brennan. Who is Tom Waits' wife. Yes. Uh, and then another couple, Lori Anderson and Lou Reed. I want to be invited to that dinner right? party. Right? I will gladly attend. Yeah, that's a good mix of people. Uh, our friend Chris C. said uh, Elvis, Peter Sellers, Bruce Lee, Don Rickles, Sid Caesar, and Johnny Carson. And he said, oh, the stories. Oh, but you'd have to sit through unfunny Don Rickles. <laughs> I mean, he'd have some competition for, you know... Trying to trying to steal the spotlight. Oh my gosh! With, with some of the other comedians in there, but yeah, uh, yeah it, I, I, those are those are classic classic examples. Okay, uh, Mimi M. This is so cute. She said, "My mom and dad. I find the idea of hosting a dinner party intimidating." Yeah, she's not alone, and 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 that makes me feel sad because having friends over, feeding your friends and loved ones should not be stressful and intimidating. Yet, so, for so many, it is. But you know what? It took me a really long time to realize that too, because I yeah. used to go absolutely like. I would stay in the kitchen the entire time trying to make sure everything was perfect. And the reality is, like, if you put yourself on the other end of it where you've been invited to a party, when was the last time that it wasn't enjoyable or right? wasn't fun? Like, and, it, and I'm sure behind the scenes, maybe things didn't go as expected or something happened that you weren't aware of or maybe the food didn't turn out the way that they had hoped or something. But, you know, unless it's just a complete disaster... I mean, and you're like, yeah, unless everything goes sideways, then you're kind of a complete asshole for being like, oh, well. And even if it does, then you've got a great story to right? tell. Right? Because I still remember when we went to a good friend of ours when we lived in Chicago and, and her uh, young son came like running out into the living room <gasps> naked and oh, started yes. like tearing around the room. Yes. And, you know, she was probably embarrassed, but it made for like a really funny story later on. So, yeah. You I know. mean... These things happen. Life happens. (laughs) All right. Our friend Mike T. This is a good one. He said uh, Rufus Wainwright, his sister Michelle, Gilda Radner, and RBG. Yes. I want to be invited to that party as well. I know. That's a good one. What else you got? Um, At Grace Lane Smith Art said, if I'm absolutely guaranteed zero hiccups mary berry but of course that's a tall order zero hiccups that's a, a see don't stress out mary berry i'm sure would be happy to have your hospitality mary berry of course of great british bake-off fame mm-hmm. among other things but yeah i mean she doesn't seem like the type that would judge or or demand perfection from a dinner party right you get a few drinks in her oh i bet and, oh my god i bet she's a fucking riot yep um, okay, <laughs> you want me to read this one? Our, our friend Amanda Kay, she uh, provided, she's going to need a large table. And I'm this. not surprised by and her it, first uh, her uh, first pick. It's just three words. If, if she could be her, she would. Yes, our, our friend Amanda is a huge fan, and she just says, Stevie fucking Nicks. And then she goes on to add uh, Janis Joplin, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, Georgia O'Keefe, Joni Mitchell, Susan Tedeschi, Chris Farley, Salvador Dali, Sam Cooke, Andy Warhol, <laughs> Mama Cass, David Bowie, Richard Pryor, Gustav Klimt, Prince, Tom Petty, Patrick Nagel, Cher, Gladys Knight, Robin Williams, Peter Green, Van Gogh, 
and Joan Rivers. I think um, Joni Mitchell would get really annoyed by Robin Williams, like <laughs> showing off and like being Robin Williams. I mean, this is going to be a party, right? Wow. Yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna. Yeah. You're gonna need a lot of wine. What are your picks? Aside from the guy that I saw at the grocery store this morning wearing the spandex, the cowboy <laughs> boots, and the Andy Warhol-esque wig. That was a, it was a look. It was a look. And he was fully committed. And, I, and maybe he God should bless be committed. Him. I loved it. <laughs> um, I will say the Obamas. Mm-hmm. I will say Dave Grohl. And oh. uh, we're recording this on the eve of uh, Not hearing the... about... Well, within a few days yeah. of, of hearing of the passing... Of uh, the drummer Taylor Hawkins. Thank you. R.I.P. By all accounts, he seemed like a really, really great guy. Yeah. So it just got me thinking of like the Foo Fighters, and every time I've seen Dave Grohl, he's so affable. Yeah, I think I think he would mix in well with this crowd, and these would be like maybe some people he hadn't previously met. Uh, Mae West, I think, would be a riot. Bobby Gentry. Country yeah, singer yeah, from yeah. the seventies. We were talking about this previously. She, I mean, if you, we may have discussed this in a previous episode, but if you have not listened to the podcast called "Cocaine and Rhinestones," where he kind of takes a deep dive, a deep dive very like, deep. Dive. I was going to say that's an understatement because <laughs> he does his research, but uh, he focuses on a different uh, artist um, from the bygone eras of country every episode. And he had an episode that was really fascinating on Bobby Gentry because she's still alive. It's kind of a mystery where she might reside. She's rich she's as hell. She's 79. She's reclusive. Prior, or like not prior, after her career in country music where she kind of did a self-imposed retirement, she had quite a life after that, beyond that, that is really fascinating as well. So I just think she'd be a really interesting guest. Frida Kahlo. Okay. And I'm going to invite your mom. <gasps> because I think she would love all this company and this oh. and this uh, this whole soiree that I'm putting together. So, oh. and I know you'd want to see her again. Oh, and this is, of course, is assuming that, you know, you're already going to be there. It's not like I have to, like, extend an invite to you. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Oh. I think she'd want to meet the Obamas. Oh, I think she would, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. What about you? Okay, so I said Tom Waits. Oh, yes. George Carlin. Ooh, good mm-hmm. one. Dolly Parton. Man, that woman is a national treasure. Yep. Liza Minnelli. Okay. God, the stories she would have. Yeah. And she just seems like completely batty and crazy and wonderful. Yep. And in, a good, in the best, and it's, best possible way. It's funny because I didn't get her appeal until I actually watched Cabaret. And she is just like, she's Magnetic. enchanting. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's crazy. And the Obamas. Oh, see? And then, and then Obamas are, my mom, are, are, too. Are sweeping. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having so many dreams about my mom lately. Yeah? She's been in my dreams. Yeah, my mom and Frank. Frank was our pit bull who passed away a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, both of them have been in my dreams, like, every night. I don't know what that means. They're probably hanging out together now. Yeah. Last night in my dream, uh, my mom had, like, hair as long as mine, which is weird because I've never, like, she's never had long hair. Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know. That was weird. Nice. Hmm. I wonder what that means. I don't know. Listeners, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does anyone do dream interpretations? Yeah. Should we dive into this book? 
Let's do it. All right. So this is Jamie Oliver's 23rd cookbook. That's bananas um, to me. We received this. Uh, I shouldn't say we received this. We checked this out from our local library. Um, Hi, Barry. Yes. <laughs> Although our diet's not exclusively vegetarian or vegan, we do try and keep things plant-based most of the time. As, pl- as we're like, we're having pork chops. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, I think this is like the... The first kind of red meat dish that we've had yeah. this week. So while Jamie is quick to point out that most but not all the recipes would be considered healthy. Um, and that should be noted that each one includes nutritional information for the recipe. We found them all successful, easy to execute with only minor adjustments made to allow for our own personal preferences or what we happen to have on hand. Why don't you hit us with the list of what we made and then we'll... Take a little deeper dive into them. All right. So we first did the comforting congee bowl. I just noticed this. Super comforting gumbo. Oh, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> that, have thoughts about this. That cracks me up. Yep. <laughs> uh, crispy mushroom shawarma. Shaved fennel, melon, and mozzarella. Super spinach pancakes. That's it. All right. Okay. Let's talk this comforting congee bowl. To start off, I've never had congee. We've never made it before. I've never, both of us have ever eaten it before. Um, I always assumed that the texture would be a really big turnoff because I do have issues with texture. I feel like I'm kind of getting over a lot of my like weird things that I hate in food. Like I've started eating salmon. I've started eating mussels, which again was a texture. Congee, kind of a porridge mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Um, it basically, like we used a cup and a third of rice and then it gets like eight cups of cooking liquid, which is... And you just really let it like cook down to like a porridge consistency. Yeah, there's there's some star anise and some garlic and ginger in there. It's really like, I want to say glutinous, but it's not gluten. Uh, yeah. It's starchy sure. and like kind of yeah, porridge-y. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it, it gets some roasted shiitakes on the top of it. Which I think were called like bacon bits or something or bacon mushrooms yeah. in, the, in the recipe. Which kind of bothers me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But I, I, I mean, but, but it does. They do take on kind of a crispy kind of they do. earthy quality. Yeah. And then you, we got some like jammy soft boiled eggs and then it gets garnished with some ginger and scallion and red chili flake and a little bit of soy for some umami flavor. And I, I fucking loved it. I was this like, was how great. did we not ever, like, it made me so sad. We need to make that again. I know. It made me so sad that like I've been missing it, missing out on it for this long because I was just like, I'm not going to. And, you know, usually I am not one where I'm like, I don't think I'll like that. Yeah. But just because of the texture, I was mm-hmm. just like, no. It was, it was like a savory, savory oatmeal. Savory. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of comforting, we got another comforting dish coming up. <laughs> Super comforting gumbo. I don't, I don't know if the gumbo is like comforting. Yeah. Like that was good. I mean, this is not a dish that we're generally able to have because traditionally it has uh, shrimp in it. Mm-hmm, which I am allergic to. But this was kind of a vegetarian version. 
that had a generous assortment of vegetables and it also gave you kind of options for additional things you can add, which we kind of took advantage of. Yeah. Because we had some things in the fridge kicking around. So uh, what else What well, else happened? It, it, well, it starts off with a dark roux, of course. I kind of fucked that up. <laughs> Never. I don't, know, I don't know that mine was necessarily a dark roux, but I tried. No, it wasn't. You, like you the, were just impatient. Just like that cocktail that I tried to make you. I tried. See, Made and, the effort. And the thing is, like, I don't want to go in the kitchen and be like, no. Like, let's do it. It was still good, right? It was good, yeah. but not correct. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to be a nag and be like, do it this way. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to, you know. Like, um, how am I going to learn? Yeah, I know, right? Right? Um, and it had some bay and bay leaf and thyme, and that gets cooked for, like, 20 minutes. And then... Uh, what vegetables did we put in It's in? got onion, garlic, celery, some bell peppers. Um, and then we also added some zucchini and mushroom, mm-hmm. um, which... I believe was like something that he suggested. Yes. And it had peas in it. And then at the end, oh, and it has tomatoes. And then at the end, the okra gets seared in a saute pan yep. and it gets put on top so that the okra, the okra. And we used frozen, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the okra doesn't get slimy or anything because you're not cutting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was delicious, but we I believe... Would we, you say it's super comforting? No. <laughs> I mean, we made gumbo from uh, the Mosquito Supper Club. Uh-huh. And I would say like that gumbo blew this one out of the water. But it's kind of like apples and oranges. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely not a traditional gumbo. So... Yes. Mm. Uh, let's talk crispy mushroom shawarma. Okay. This was good. Mm-hmm. So um, basically what you do is you marinate some oyster and shiitake mushrooms in this yogurt situation that has uh, garlic and lemon. And then it gets uh, skewered and roasted. Until crispy. Mm-hmm. Then you chuck it on a flatbread that's smeared with tahini and it gets topped with some pickled vegetables and dukkha. And for those of you who do not know what dukkha is, it's like an Egyptian blend of herbs, spices, nuts. Generally, there's like coriander, cumin, hazelnuts. It's delicious. It's mm-hmm. like a little kind of flavor bomb. And I will say like appearance-wise, this looked similar it, it to absolutely, chicken. It absolutely did. So if you're... Like, if if you're, you're using like... Chicken thighs. Yeah, like yeah. If, you're, if you're used to the traditional, you know, chicken shawarma presentation, um, this is going to have a similar look to it. Yeah, it was kind of like street food in your living room. And oh, and we made some preserved lemons because the recipe called for this. So mm-hmm. we, we've got them in the fridge now. Let's move on to shaved fennel, melon, and mozzarella. So this was by far the easiest thing that we made. Yep. It has like eight ingredients. 15 minute prep time. It would have been nice to have like a really fresh seasonal cantaloupe mm-hmm. for this, but uh, we, we made it work. I don't know. The cantaloupe that we had, I felt was a little bit overripe. I oh, mean, yeah? it's, yeah, okay. it's, it, 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 I mean, cantaloupes are not really in season right yeah, now. No, it's are, not really not. melon season. Um, I, I think he even like uh, cautioned people, don't even think about making this recipe yeah. unless your melon is, is fresh and sweet and yeah. seasonal. And we, we ignored his, uh, his warning. Of course we did. Yeah. This gets 
Okay, so the one problem with this thing is it gets fried capers and mint. Fried caper is good, yes. We've done that before. Um, the fried mint was bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of greasy. We just, and- we just skipped that. Like we, well, we fried some up. And then we way just, too much effort for really no reward. Yeah. So we just no used benefit. we just used fresh mint. And rather than doing mozzarella, we went with burrata because As you should in every situation. Burrata. Yeah, burrata's <laughs> delicious. Gets sprinkled with a little bit of um red chili flakes, some thinly sliced red chili. And then when we were eating it, I was like, this is good, but I feel like it needs uh, some acid. And then we're like, oh, yeah, we forgot to put the balsamic on top of it. For the photo. Yeah. But it made it onto the plate before we ate it. Yeah. So, eh, our eh, fault. Yeah. But, I mean, I liked it. Yeah. Totally and it would And it would have been top notch with some balsamic on there. Missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, we had these super spinach pancakes. This is the first... I don't think we've made those before. No. The recipe calls for cottage cheese, which we don't like. Not a fan. Did you know that uh, Nixon's um, final meal before he resigned was pineapple rings with some cottage cheese on top? That sounds terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of all the things. So we ended up substituting cottage cheese for ricotta with a little bit of lemon zest in it. It just reminds me of all those like 80s like diet fads and like Jane Fonda workouts and leg warmers. The the lunch of cottage cheese with the slimy half canned peach. (laughs) Yuck. I'm still traumatized by it. I know. From my youth. Can't get over it. So, you know, we, we swapped that out. Yeah, so we we used arugula instead of spinach, which he suggests, you know, he's like, you can switch this out. Um, we had it on hand, so we're like, let's use it up. Yep. And it also got a bunch of herbs like parsley, cilantro, basil, mint. Uh, we just kind of cleaned out our herb drawer. <laughs> we really did. Um, and I think pancake is a bit of a misnomer. It was more like a crepe. Yes. Crepe. I've heard it pronounced both ways. (laughs) I say crepe. You do you. (laughs) But all those herbs really added this nice quality, this flavor quality to it. So, and it's this really gorgeous bright green. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it gets topped with a salad of avocado, some cherry tomatoes, the cheese, and a fried egg. Yeah, it's like breakfast for dinner. So as you've probably deduced from the dishes we made, um, there is a fair amount of dairy and then like eggs and stuff in these recipes. So, you know, it's it's by no means vegan, um, but it it still is kind of like plant focused and probably a good book for someone just looking to maybe eat more healthy and move toward a more like plant based well, and like there so. there are some recipes um, where he there's a little box on the bottom where he's like, you can make this vegan by uh, taking out the parmesan and using mm-hmm. like a hard, a, a different hard cheese mm-hmm. because parmesan is not vegan. Has animal rennet in yes. it. Yes. Um, which I did not know until I read that. Before we dive into our rankings, let's go to the most critical Amazon reviews. Now, at the time of this episode, this book has over 3,300 ratings. 
which is crazy to me. I know, right? A wildly popular book. And uh, so needless to say, there was there was a, a, a decent amount of like critical reviews of those 3,300 to, to kind of pour through. I found a couple that I thought were kind of interesting. You want to start us off? Sure. All right. Uh, Anthony Potter gave it one out of five stars. Impractical. Requires too many ingredients. Need to own a spice and herb store. Dude, do you have like salt and pepper in your spice rack and that's it? I mean, doesn't everyone own a spice and herb store? I don't think I want to know someone that doesn't have a thriving spice and herb business on the side. <laughs> little side hustle. I, I don't feel like any of the spices in this book were... No. Like exotic or nope. something that you shouldn't have on hand in nope. the first place. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Roger with uh, R-O-D-G-E-R. I was got to be suspicious of the Rogers I know. that's going in that way. He also <laughs> gave it a one out of five stars and he said, total ripoff. This book is the same as Jamie Oliver's Veg released in the UK. It's been altered only to give American measurements this was not alluded to when the book was announced on pre-release for ordering. Perhaps the name change was to entice jaded Americans to buy the book because now it's called Ultimate Veg. Have read through the book and did not have one recipe that jumped out at me to make me want to make it now. Usually with a new recipe book, there's at least one. I'd hope there'd be more than one. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Hopefully more recipes that entice me to try them. So he, he was not enticed. He's a tough customer. Not enticed. Not impressed or enticed. <laughs> All right. You want to go on to our rankings? Yeah. Let's move on to food photography and styling. What'd you have? I gave it a two. Okay. It was boring to me. It was so boring. The same background was used for all of the shots. I noticed that as well. It felt very antiseptic to me. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of props or styling. Mm -hmm. And when it did have styling, it felt kind of ridiculous to me. Um, like there is a recipe for phyllo snake bake. And it's like, well, anyway, it's got like the main tray and then another plate with a piece of the phyllo on there. And then there's like this S of like baby lettuce cups with citrus in it, like snaking around. It, like it's hokey to me. And then yeah. there's the burger with the knife in it. And yeah, like, yeah, it's a little like, overdone. It just... Although keep in mind, this book... I don't know when it was released in the UK, but it's a it's a few years old at this point too. So maybe like that was kind of like yeah, I on don't know. trend at the at the time, but uh, it it did not age well. I mean, the food looks still all the food looks really delicious, but it is boring. Yes, boring. Okay, what'd you give it? I gave it a three and a half. Really? But, it, but I but I get your points. Mostly overhead shots of the completed dish. Mm -hmm. Um, the the dishes themselves I found very appealing. the The presentation is kind of unfussy. I guess that's a more polite way of saying boring. <laughs> but there are minimal props. Most photos are simply the dish, plate, or bowl on the same light marble surface yes. that you mentioned. Like throughout the book, yes, there is one surface. Well, they took it on the same marble countertop, or there's a, there's a page there's backdrop. a page at the beginning of the book that has. It's like two pages. It's the page where the table of contents are and 
there's um, multiple photos, like thumb, kind of, I don't know, thumbnails, if you will, of photos. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all, this, oh, yeah, yeah. so boring. Uh, many it's of the weird. Dish- it's weird. I haven't, I don't think I've ever, like, given something no, I, a two I, for I, photos. I feel you. Uh, many of the photos don't even feature utensils. Uh-huh. Very minimalist style. I did note that lots of attention was paid to kind of like the finishing touches and garnishes and how the dish would like photograph. Yeah. So, you know, most of the dishes have something kind of scattered atop them, like some, you know, nuts or seeds or greens or herbs or, you know, they, you could tell that they definitely put some thought into like, okay, we want to make this look, you know, pretty Mm -hmm. when we photograph it. There were some like uh, what I call like hand model shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there'd be a lot of, you know, spooning something onto the top of it or digging into something or like the the burger photo you mentioned has this like hand like aggressively thrusting this knife. Into oh, that the bothers me yeah. so much. It's such, it's such a cliche at this point. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that I was like bored by the photography but it, it it was nothing special to me that's why i gave it the three and a half so okay. i would even maybe bump that down to a three it, okay. was, it was pretty basic uh let's move on to design and layout what'd you give it i give it a four okay interestingly there are no uh traditional step-by-step instructions for the cooking method yes um it's structured more in kind of a conversational format and I think that was one of the critiques that I read when I was looking at the Amazon reviews is someone is really bothered by that. Um, it didn't bother me as much because most of these recipes are so simple that I don't think it requires like these detailed step-by-step mm-hmm. instructions. You can get away with having it be more loose and free, casual. All the recipes contain nutritional information uh, macros, I think it's called. Yeah. Right? So calories, fat, saturated fat, protein, carbs, all that stuff. I could do without some of the, what I called like hyped recipe titles, like amazing veggie chili, <laughs> super spinach pancakes, or, you know, it, as we noted earlier, comforting congee bowl. Super comforting. They were a little sensational. Yeah. I, I could do without that. Like we mentioned, at least two of the titles contain the word comforting, um, even the title of the book, which was originally just called veg in the UK had to be changed to ultimate veg for the U S <laughs> market. So I don't know, maybe the recipe titles changed as well. I just found like that stuff a little kind of silly and un- unnecessary, but the v- book follows a pretty strict format of like recipe on the left page. And then there'd be a companion photo on the mm-hmm. right page of, of the completed dish. There's a handy little like yellow box within each recipe that offers useful like tips or substitutions. And I, I think one of the goals of this book was to kind of get people a little bit more comfortable and confident in the kitchen and not working so strictly off of, off of a recipe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And I think in that regard, the book really succeeded because it was like, you know, hey, you can... You can do this. Another great idea would be to add this and add these ingredients mm-hmm. and you could substitute these. And so it's really trying to get people to think in those terms. Chapters are divided into the typical usual sections like pasta and salads, brunch, soups and sandwiches. So nothing really new there. There is a hints and tips section towards the back of the book that contains some useful information regarding things like vegetarian cheese, like we talked about the Parmesan earlier, 
plant-based milks, a primer on oils and vinegars, flavor bombs. Those are my words where he's talking about like these are some things you can do to like kick up the flavor in a dish like adding harissa, miso, soy sauce, tahini, things like that. And then there was another section entitled Eat the Rainbow. And he's just kind of talking about like the different, you know, various colors of ingredients and and the profiles Mm -hmm. and benefits and, 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 you know, of, of all of those vegetables. And I thought this was like a great introduction to those seeking maybe a more healthy, balanced diet. Um, there's also this really nice tribute at the very beginning of the book to his dear friend yes. whose art director, his name was John Hamilton. He's worked on every cookbook up until this point with Jamie, who had passed away like shortly after completing the shooting mm-hmm. of this book. And he's got this nice double page like uh, photo of the both of them. Yeah, um, You could tell like, you know, they were really good friends, really close. He, you know really valued their friendship and I thought that was really really touching that he included that you know it's it's at the very beginning of the book yeah, before you even get to like the is. chapters or anything so it's a nice little tribute yeah I thought I thought that the the design and layout of this book is it was really where this book kind of excels I agree with you I gave it a four as well there's one th- okay so something that you I mean because I kind of agree with you on everything that you said one thing that I really like is that they the book will have the title of the recipe like what the recipe is like mm-hmm. mushroom stroganoff and then it's kind of got like the um, I don't know do you call it the byline like underneath it it'll be like Crunchy cornichon, fragrant capers, creamy whiskey sauce, and parsley. Yeah, almost like a subtitle of yeah, the recipe. Yeah, subtitle. Yes, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really like. Uh, it has the serving sizes. It's got the uh, time. Although I feel... The serving sizes are kind of all over the place. Like There's are. some dishes where they'd serve like 10. Yeah. Another where they'd serve two. The And the time, and I'll get to this like... Well, I'll just say it now. I feel like some of the times were kind of low, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Maybe you're not that quick in the kitchen. Like, Well, and I'm assuming this it, is kind of... Is it like baking? Is it like active cook time? I think it's is active it? time from start to finish because some of the... Oven roasting or like simmering on the stovetop times. Like some of those recipes were were quite long. So it wasn't like active time. Like you'd be sitting there tethered to your stove for three hours. But that's how long it would take from start to finish to complete the dish. I noticed that as as well. Yeah. Like the times just confused me because like is it prep time? Is it did not include like prep or active time, which which would have been useful. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I agree. And then also Another thing, and this is just like a really personal preference for me, the ingredient list, I really dislike the laundry list of ingredients. I prefer to to be grouped into components of the dish. Okay. Here's everything you need for... sauce. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why, it's just... Yeah, it's just and how I've seen I roll. it both done way, and I know everyone has their own personal preference. So yeah, okay. And, and this was like more. It's this is like listed in order of the way you use it. It's personal I, I, preference. I, I feel you, but 
so and I you mentioned that there's like a kind of suggestion box of like you can do this 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 or you can make it vegan by doing this Mm -hmm. yeah I like the way this thing was organized yeah it's a real easy book to, to kind of follow along yeah uh degree of difficulty I gave it a two Okay. One of my issues was that, like, I feel like the cook time stuff was too low. Like, okay. But, it, like, it had really common ingredients. Usually there was, like, I don't one- know. You might have to buy a spice. Uh, <laughs> oh, my might God. Have to become a spice merchant. Oh, my God. Usually there's, like, only one cooking method going on. There's nothing too difficult. Like, mm. I feel comfortable giving this book to someone who doesn't really cook that much. Yeah. So, yeah. I gave it a two as well. Okay. Uh, most dishes require less than a dozen ingredients, minimal equipment, and less than 45 minutes of active time, probably even a little lower. Mm-hmm. Although there are longer cooking times in some of the recipes, and I think that's the thing that might give some people pause is if they just glance through, they're looking at the recipes and they see like, oh, this is an hour and a half, two hours. They're probably thinking in their mind that they're going to be like, stuck in the kitchen for two hours Yeah. when the reality is maybe it's 15, 20 minutes of prep and then it's bacon in the oven for Mm -hmm. the remaining time. So there should have been a little bit more clarity on that given that, you know, the overall design and layout of the book was like pretty well executed and pretty clean. But I, I also mentioned this would be a great gift for someone trying to eat more healthy, balanced diet, or those that are kind of transitioning into a plant-based life. And I think with the help of a book like this, you can become a more kind of intuitive cook, too. Because it does offer you suggestions, alternatives, substitutes, and it kind of breaks people out of, you know, if you're the type that wants to sit there and follow a recipe really strictly. I feel like that is like really anxiety inducing for people for some people like yeah. i have to well and when we first started this whole thing it's like hosting a dinner party <laughs> right yeah. well and when we first started this whole thing there there was one day when we drove around for like all day looking for little neck clams yes fuck that which are everywhere now <laughs> but i don't need them <laughs> but yeah like now we're just like yeah We'll wing it. We have a much different, uh, more approach. refreshing approach yeah. to it. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't feel like we need to sit there and adhere to the recipe that strictly. If, you know, like because that's a more real world approach to it yeah. too. Like I don't think any cookbook author can expect that you should be driving around to multiple grocery stores looking for this ingredient that they specify. And and the good books like this one will suggest alternatives yes. or substitutes. So yeah. yeah. And then finally, taste. What'd you give for that? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, I didn't feel like we had to adjust like the spice level or anything. Vegetables obviously were the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was like very fresh and bright. And I don't know. I don't have a lot to say. I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. And it was kind of, you know, and we were doing... We were doing like the vegetarian month and I didn't feel let down after eating and like after eating any of these dishes. Right. You know, I wasn't like, oh, God, I wish I would have had a steak, you right, know, right. like so. Yeah. OK. I gave it a four as well. OK. Um, I enjoyed everything we made. I thought the seasoning seemed proper. Um, I didn't discover any recipe errors. We were able to make some of the substitutions without any kind of guilt because it kind of encourages you to do that 
if I have one critique, it's maybe that these are not the most imaginative of dishes. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and it's, it, it's someone's interpretation of a lot of different cultures and mm-hmm. cuisines and stuff. So they're probably, like you said earlier, like maybe not the best examples of like a gumbo, but it's totally fine. And it's, it's a good turn dip out. your toe in the water sure. type thing. It's so for someone maybe just looking to expand their culinary horizons, this is going to be a great book for that purpose. For no issues. All right. All right. Um, so before we move into this new exciting segment that we got, I should mention that uh, with uh, anyone who's been listening to more recent episodes, we had uh, food idioms explained. We're going to retire that for now. They're kind of hard to like prove how long they've been around. Some of the origins are a little unclear, especially when they go back further in time. I think what we should do maybe is record like a very special episode of just discussing food idioms. And we can just pick some good ones. Have a conversation about it. I agree with you. That is a yeah. great fucking idea. So we're just going to do something like, not like that uh, special episode of Different Strokes where they were talking about uh, where, Stranger Danger or something. <laughs> where Dudley gets touched in the bad place. Yeah, we're, not, we're talking about that. <laughs> this is a totally different thing. But so we're, we're going to introduce a new segment that we're a little more excited about. So this comes from the book called Gastro Obscura. And um, if, if you're not familiar with this book... Um, it came out, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. It explores all the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. And it's by Cecily Wong and Dylan Thuris. Uh, we got a galley copy. Yeah. Or- but it's something I recently started kind of reading. It's kind of like a good bedside mm-hmm. reading because it's just filled with all this like useless information like, you know, I feel like Norm on Cheers or something. <laughs> and I can just like spew all this. Like, Did you random- know that John Rats, that those guys were like 30, they were in their like mid 30s when that was filmed. Really? They look so old. They look old. God, they look like they were in their 50s or something. So we're just, we're just going to pick a, a different random nonsensical topic. This, this, will, this will help you uh, have some stimulating conversation in your work break room on Monday morning. Right? Sure. All right. So you're going to you're gonna start with the first one. This is like the inaugural. This is so exciting. I know. The inaugural segment. Gast- okay. Gastro Obscura. All right. Take it away, Victoria. So the the first one is called the Marathon du Medoc, also known as the Wine Marathon. And it is located in Pouillac, which is a wine region near Bordeaux. In France. In France. It's 26.2 miles. Standard marathon. Standard marathon. It's got over 10,000 participants. It's it's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Everyone dresses up in costumes. Yep. Costumes required. And there are 23 glasses of wine to drink along the way. There's stops along the way. Where you would traditionally get like some water or Gatorade or something. You're drinking wine. You're getting nibbles like oysters and foie gras. (laughs) Just what you want when you're running a marathon. There's orchestras playing along the way. Tons of spectators. Yep. It's, it's It's a big event. People are taking a modium to kind of stomach it and it's not uncommon to see people barfing along the route those lightweights i don't know of oh my god i don't know how any can't hold their oysters and wine while oh they're running a marathon god, just the thought of it Ugh. um the objective is not to finish first 
It's just to finish it. It usually lasts about... Preferably s- a little buzzed. You, oh my God, it's six and a half hours and you're drinking 23 <laughs> glasses of wine. <laughs> I don't think I could do that even with, with removing the running component of it. Oh my God. It's funny because like you've got the... And they say like pain is just the French word for bread. Oh, there you go. You no, know, because it seems awful. I mean, it seems really fun, but it seems just awful. So, maybe maybe you've maybe you've done the traditional marathons. You've run like the New York Marathon. You got to amp it. You got to amp it up. But you know, call me when you've ran the uh, what is this called? Yeah. The marathon de medic, medoc. And you're dressed as a Smurf or a nun yeah. or something. Yep. And you and you're drunk off your ass when you cross that finish line. Oh, I can't imagine like eating foie or like uh, oy- like eating a bunch of oysters and then running. Yep. Like ugh. <laughs> yuck. Our gym should serve oysters when we're there. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree with you there, sir. All right. All right. If you enjoy the show, please rank and review us. Uh, you can find us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. It, it, it's with a little bit of hesitation that I introduce this joke. And I, and I feel that I need to have a disclaimer. This is not a joke for young ears or those with a heart condition. So if you've got children listening, I can't be responsible for the years of therapy that they will require upon hearing this joke. All right, get so to it. Get them out of the room. Okay. Uh, Victoria, what's the difference between hungry and horny? Where okay. you put the cucumber. <laughs> Woo! Right? Good one, Volver. All right. I've redeemed myself. All right. That made me laugh. <laughs> if, if you're laughing, I'm laughing. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks That's so for listening. juvenile. <laughs> well, you know, consider the consider the source. Oh. All right. Ooh. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.